On a scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you with contracts? Most creators would say a 5 or less. Many creators get into the business knowing how to create incredible content and cultivate a community, but the whole running a business thing is foreign. Contracts being something that I see most creators having big issues with. When I first got started, honestly, I signed just about anything not knowing exactly what it said at all because A, I didn't have time or money to hire a lawyer, and B, I didn't want to scare the brand away if I asked for things to be changed in our contract, but I was wrong about both of those things. Hiring a lawyer isn't a bad idea, but it's definitely not one that your wallet will love, and I fully understand the idea of not wanting to dish out that money. And that's exactly why I took to learning everything I could about contracts myself. I watched YouTube videos, I asked friends of friends with law experience, I asked brands to clarify terms, and all of that hard work and research has paid off because now not only am I redlining almost every contract that I get from a brand, but I'm also negotiating higher paid collaborations. If I never fully understood usage rights and exclusivity clauses, I would have missed out on thousands of dollars in the last few years. So welcome to your contract crash course. I'm Kristen Buscan. I've been a full-time creator for over three years and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is a podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Trevor Mangel, co-founder and CEO of CloutDesk, a company building the operating system for creator brand partnerships. He started CloutDesk to help independent creators like his spouse, professional creator Samantha Cutler, more efficiently manage and monetize brand collaborations. CloutDesk makes it ridiculously easy for creators to do things like negotiate for better compensation and automate 80% of that administrative work required for brand collaborations. Today, we're giving you the scoop on all things contract this, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 86 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here today. News is very light this week, and honestly, you know that when this happens, I am not mad about it because I feel like some weeks we just get so much news that I'm very overwhelmed, and I feel like I'm overwhelming you guys. So I'm very happy to hear that this week it's very light. There's not a ton going on, thankfully. Instagram is, however, testing a new process to help users engage over interest in common. So as per socialmediatoday.com, Instagram's experimenting with a new discovery element that would enable you to view a collaborative feed of content from accounts that you and a friend follow in common, providing another way to enhance engagement. So the new discover content together option would add a new feed of content that you've both interacted with or from profiles that you both follow, which would then give you another way to connect over mutual interests. So it seems like Instagram this year is really putting a big focus on connecting with people individually, connecting with people on another level. For example, this kind of let's see what we have in common and and kind of share our common interests. And I actually like this. I think this is really cool. But my only thought with this here is another feed. Don't we already have the home feed, we have the following, and we have the favorites. And if I'm being 100% honest, I literally never use any other feed except the one that automatically comes up, your home feed. And on top of that, I remember doing a little survey on stories to ask you guys where you spent the most time on Instagram, and almost everyone said stories. Like I know for me personally, it's it's like kind of bad, <laughs> but... 
I typically like if I get on Instagram, I'm either posting, I'm answering my comments, I'm spending time in the DMs, or I'm on stories. Like I very, very, very rarely am scrolling through my feed. And I think that's very common for a lot of creators. Like a lot of us are spending time on stories. So it's really surprising to me that they're not finding like more ways to bump up stories and put a real big focus on that because I don't think many people are using the feed as we used to. And it's difficult because we complain about engagement, but the way that we're using the app is just different than we used to. So I would love to hear if you guys agree with this. Where do you spend the most time when you're on Instagram? Is it stories? Is it in your feed? Is it in your DMs? Send me a DM and let me know. Without further ado, we're diving right into the interview of this week's episode with Trevor Mangel, who is the CEO and co-founder of CloutDesk. We're talking all about contracts, guys. And as I always say, I am an open book. I'm happy to help you guys with anything contract related and help answer your questions. In Social Suite, this is something that I actually work with my students on literally every day. Sometimes I feel like a lawyer. <laughs> I look through a lot of contracts every day. So I'm happy to help you guys out. If you hop into Social Suite, you get access to me for help with all of your contracts. I hope you learn a lot in this episode and I will see you guys next week. We get so many questions at Social Me about contracts and negotiations because it's truly one of the most confusing parts about running your creator business. So today we're here with Trevor, who is the CEO and co-founder of CloutDesk, the all-in-one platform for creators who brands love to partner with. He's going to be giving us all the scoop on negotiating and making sure your contracts are protecting you and that you understand them. So Trevor, thank you so much for being here. Chris, and thank you so much for having me. Of course, I am definitely really excited to hear more about you and about CloutDesk. So for anyone who doesn't already know, can you kind of give us the rundown of who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I think we, we have a, a different origin story from many other startups. Um, so my background is in advertising technology. I worked uh, you know, really for the past 10 years helping smaller digital publishers uh, monetize advertising inventory and do so in a way that helped them save a bunch of time and not have to hire sales teams. Uh, this whole area of, of focus is called programmatic advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, in any case, when I got into the creator economy in 2017, I uh, was working at the time for a live streaming tech uh, tool, which helps creators make live streams that look like professional broadcasts. And in speaking with hundreds of creators there, I realized pretty quickly that, you know, hey, making awesome live streams is, is of course, really cool. But like the number one concern at the end of the day was just being able to pay for rent at the end of the month. Um, around that same time, I was shooting a uh, little spawn con on the weekend uh, with a friend who is now my wife uh, at the Fit Fatale. And you know, as our relationship developed, we moved in together and I started seeing what her day-to-day -day was like uh, firsthand. And that surprised the, the heck out of me. Um, this was, you know, she's one of the most organized and type A people who I know. And just the the volume of inbound opportunities that she was having there was so much like so much noise in her inbox that was impossible yeah. for her to keep track of all of her deals to know where everything stands and to know exactly what to do and i think for anyone in any profession that's extremely stressful given my background in media and, and programmatic advertising automation uh 
figured that there's probably a better way to do this. And from a technology perspective, uh, I just happened to have that background. And so Clapdesk was originally created for her, and then it spread to her friends and her friends' friends, and uh, now thousands of creators uh, across North America are using Clapdesk to really manage their entire uh, brand partnerships process from outreach all the way through invoicing uh, to do that in one place and to save a ton of time. That's great. I love that the product was truly just kind of like meant to solve your wife's problem. And then now you're like, actually, this is kind of a good idea. We should get it out there to the public. So definitely a really cool origin story for for sure. Thanks. And I, I guess for everyone else, you can think of Clapdesk as almost like a, an operating, operating system for your brand partnerships. So, um, you know, what makes us different than every other platform out there, and like literally there are hundreds, especially today, uh, is that we've created a, a new kind of digital contract, which is really what we're here to talk about, contracting and negotiation. And you know, once a contract is generated and executed, it can be signed on our platform uh, by both creators and uh, either agencies or brands. And we take all of the data from that contract, so uh, extract over 110 different parameters and use that data to automate really all of this back office and administrative work that otherwise needs to be done manually and really takes hours a day to do. And so things like deadline reminders, content specifications, uh, status updates, even follow-up on invoices uh, can be done automatically. And so when you can put those sort of administrative functions on autopilot, especially as a small creator who doesn't have an agent working for them or a manager or a full-time team, uh, it saves a ton of time and ultimately uh, allows Clapdesk creators to you know, focus more time on making awesome content and engaging with their audiences. We love that. Yeah, we do not have enough time as creators. So anything that can help automate the process is always much appreciated. Um, but I love that you guys are, are focusing on help with contracts as well as kind of like a differentiating factor of Clapdesk because again, contracts are something that I, I help creators with every single day. It's something that they have the most confusion about because it's not written for the average everyday person to understand. It's written most yeah. times for uh, an attorney to understand. So today I wanted yeah. to kind of go through a few uh, different points on contracts, but also talk about negotiating a little bit. Um, just Absolutely. so creators can kind of familiarize themselves with the, the terms that like aren't as cut and dry um, and, and need a little bit more explanation. Um, so I'd love to start off with having you explain the idea of licensing and usage and kind of ownership of content um, and maybe give us some kind of pro tips there. Absolutely. So I guess to, to you know reinforce your first point is that you, like you shouldn't have to be a lawyer to understand creator contracts. And unfortunately, they're written by lawyers oftentimes at you know, Fortune 500 companies, sometimes entire teams, uh, they are very rigorous about what they ask for. Um, but when they're sent over, there is always room to negotiate. They're expecting red lines. So first and foremost, the, the, the advice that I would give to every creator is never just sign a contract that's given to you boilerplate. Oftentimes has terms that go well beyond what's actually necessary for a campaign. Right. And a perfect example of that is licensing and usage. So most, we call them like boilerplate contracts. So the sort of like default, most rigorous version uh, include terms that give your client, uh, you know, perpetual license to your content, uh, oftentimes to use not just on social media, but across all platforms, 
uh, potentially not even limited to digital platforms, but to things like TV, out of home, you name it. Uh, and not just that, modification rights to that content as well. So if they want to take an image or a still uh, from one of your stories or a reel, they can, they can do that and don't oftentimes even need to ask for your permission. Obviously, that is something that is a huge source of value uh, for brands, for agencies, and something that creators can really uh, negotiate and be able to monetize much better for having done so. Uh, so best advice, look out for these terms, uh, specifically around like what, what licensed channels do, do uh, does the client, uh, is the per client permitted to use your content on? Uh, how long are they permitted to use that content for? Uh, do they have the right to modify your content? Does that modification right uh, require your permission or not? Uh, these can be buried in contracts, but once you understand them, uh, it can be much, much easier to negotiate. Uh, and you know, speaking of which, one of the reasons we built this cloud desk contract and you know, having reviewed uh, manually like thousands of different partnership agreements was to simplify the process. And so, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have to par pass the bar exam to understand these things, but you don't need to. In terms of the negotiable, negotiable parameters, there are, you know, about a hundred of them. And what we've done with the cloud desk contract is to break something like licensing up into a few different sections, like what platforms and channels is the content license to be used on, uh, for how long, and modification rights. Everything's really broken down simply. So rather than trying to disambiguate this, you know, really complex language in, in legalese, you can get straight to negotiating point for point what you want and to do that without hiring a lawyer or spending just hours, you know, Googling all of these terms. <laughs> right. Yeah, that definitely is very helpful. Um, one thing that I noticed with with ownership or with usage in general is that it is kind of snuck in there or sometimes there's not a lot of specific, again, parameters that specify like how long we are using it. It just kind of says like, you, you know, you're giving away this ownership. That's it. I like, it doesn't say anything about them having to, you know, check in with you or, or again, like you getting compensated for that. And a lot of creators, mm -hmm. again, not knowing that they're giving that usage away or they're giving that ownership away, lose out on a lot of money that they could be making there. So it's totally. definitely and a point. Yeah. I see in all contracts almost that most creators don't even know what they're signing. And it's, I mean, it is a really lopsided power dynamic, unfortunately, but what makes it so much so lopsided is the fact that there is a, uh, an asymmetry in knowledge where the people right. sending these contracts and the people who generated these contracts uh, are lawyers. They have that knowledge and the ability to sneak things in. But once you know the keywords to look out for, you can just, you know, control F that uh, in, mm -hmm. in any PDF, uh, you know, look up things like license usage, uh, permissions, uh, and be able to call out those terms. And when you can, and when you do, then you can increase the value of a contract like up to a hundred percent or more. Uh, if, you know, through that negotiation, you find out, hey, this, this client is going to be using this content on television, uh, which has happened in the past and sort of been snuck in there or not mentioned ex yeah. uh, explicitly, that's worth a lot of money, especially when you think about how, I guess, before working with creators, clients would oftentimes hire content studios, hire professional actors or models to do all of this stuff. 
And so there's significant value that's been you know proven over time. Uh, and really, all you have to do is be able to find those contracts and uh, you know test the waters in terms of how much budget you can extract and, and what they actually intend to use that content for. Right. So I also want to touch on um, confidentiality as well. That's something mm. that I think is important to touch on because there are a lot of creators who talk and, you know, they're, they're trying to all learn from each other, but there's actually a lot of contracts that will include a confidentiality clause saying that there are certain things you can't share legally with others. Um, so what can a creator kind of look out for when it comes to confidentiality? Yeah. Confidentiality is a really sensitive topic. And I think that it comes in all different you know, flavors from you are almost like an NDA. You are explicitly prohibited yeah. from talking to anyone about your participation in this. Of course, uh, with the exception of your community when you are, are creating this content. Um, others are, are, you know, a little bit more lax, but specify certain things like uh, rates or like the ultimate brand who you're working with. Um, you know, I, I think it's better to err on the side of caution for most creators. Um, that said, there is a way of going about sharing this information. And I think like this gets back to the point that pricing data is so valuable, but creators don't have access to it. And so... You know, whether you're sharing, I, I worked with a, uh, you know, a health supplements brand and they paid me $2,500 for two creators. That's very much, very different than naming a specific brand, a specific content or contact right. um, or a specific agency that sent that contract. Uh, and I think the value is really in, okay, it's a health brand. It went through an agency. Here are the deliverables that they were asking for. Uh, and, you know, here's my following and audience. Like those are the points of comparison that from just, you know, switching, switching gears, but from a brand's perspective that they're looking at. And when creators have access to this data and can say, you know, where do I stand in terms of the price of, uh, you know, a TikTok video in comparison to my peers with uh, a similar audience, uh, both size and also uh, like things like demographics. Um, and also, you know, for this type or this category of brand, then it becomes valuable because it's actionable and can be used to negotiate. Uh, if you find yourself, you know, 40% below where your peers are, uh, then that's an opportunity to increase your pricing. Uh, that's also something that at CloudDesk we're trying to make happen. And because we have so many transactions uh, enabled and contracts enabled through our system, we're able to produce data uh, that allows creators to see where their rates stand compared to everyone else. And also not just that, but how their, their performance stands compared to everyone else as well. Of course, all of that data is anonymized, uh, so it can't be linked to an individual creator or an individual brand, as that would be you know, something sensitive in a breach of uh, confidentiality terms. But okay. it's the data that's really important and the data that's valuable, not necessarily the specific brand name or the specific contact at the brand or agency you're working with. Yeah, it's interesting. It's something that I think is a small point of a contract because it's like easy to follow. But I've seen more and more, especially on TikTok videos where people tell their experience, maybe working with a brand. And then in the comments, everyone is like, what's the brand? What's the brand? What's the brand? And, you know, like that can be a sticky situation because a lot of the times these creators are making these videos so that they can talk about 
experiences they had with a certain brand saying it was a horrible experience. Don't work with these like red flags, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is. But also like that is something that can end up getting you in some trouble too, when you are like naming specific brands, especially if there are contracts that have been signed uh, again, having confidentiality as part of the agreement. So I think it's more important than ever to, to mention because I've seen it breached quite a few times. And yeah, that, as you mentioned, can backfire, uh, as creators very well know that, you know, the information that you post online is public. It's going to be there forever. Uh, (laughs) and if, you know, you speak badly about a brand or about a contact, you know, it's especially depends on, on where you live, but it is still a pretty small world when it comes to influencer marketing and agencies there's a good yeah. chance that you're going to be working with the same folks in the future. And in general, it's it's important to keep those relationships healthy and, and professional. Uh, so when posting or when sharing uh, anything on, I know that there's a lot of forums and communities specifically around pricing. Right. Um, I would advise strongly against uh, sharing that information as your own person. Uh, if you share it anonymously, that is up to you. Uh, and I, I need to say, as long as it isn't an explicit breach of your confidentiality. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Now, I also would love to talk about indemnification. This is something that I've seen creators just straight up skim past in contracts because they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this big word is. It sounds scary. Don't know. And I've also seen recently a lot of videos of people talking about this term a little bit more, um, just to mm-hmm. again kind of raise awareness about how serious this can actually end up being. So can you kind of explain to everyone listening, first of all, what indemnification actually is, and then a little bit about it that could be helpful for us? Absolutely. So because I am not a lawyer, I'm going to consult (laughs) uh, the Oxford Dictionary here. And indemnification uh, is effectively compensation for uh, harm or loss or Mm -hmm. security against liability for one's actions. So the way that that applies to creators contracts is it pretty much means that if something goes wrong, or let's say you promote a product that ends up being recalled from the market, uh, because it causes uh, some serious illness. And let's say those, you know, that illness results in uh, like a a class action lawsuit. Um, It pretty much means so agencies and brands want to include this. So you can't sue them for promoting the product. Um, Mm. And it then in turn also protects the brands. If it's an agency, it protects the brands on the other side of that uh, from you suing them as well. It is, you know, and I've negotiated partnership agreements with, you know, Google and Facebook, um, you know, large companies and small companies uh, in technology and also, you know, helped out with, you know, many, many different creator contracts. And this is something that when dealing with a large business is going to be standard and will most likely be required. Uh, brands need to protect themselves and their clients, but also the difference between creators and other businesses who are typically signing these contracts is that most businesses like CloudDesk, like we have commercial liability insurance. And so in the case that let's say, um, one of our users sues us. And I guess the equivalent for that would be like if a, uh, a creators, someone in a creators community were to sue them because they purchased a product upon a creator's right. endorsement of that product uh, and they became ill, something like that happened. Like, of course, 
no one wants this. But, you know, for creators, they're essentially on their own because they don't have there are there's a very strong chance that indemnification was included in that contract that they signed. So if they're sued, they can't then in turn sue the agency or the brand that contracted with them. This is why commercial liability insurance exists and it needs to exist for creators. Uh, This is something to, you know, these cases are extraordinarily rare, but in general, insurance is something that isn't frequently enough talked about. So, you know, there's commercial and business liability insurance, um, but even things like health insurance, um, you know, in in the U.S. especially, and having lived in, in the U.S. and Canada, it was remarkable to me that, you know, I was paying $800 a month as a freelancer for insurance. And then I moved to Canada for two years and all of a sudden all of those services are free. Um, But that that's oftentimes a hidden cost. That's not really accounted for that, you know, the benefit of a salaried of salaried employment or working for, you know, a large company includes, right. But that's not factored into the equation for many creators. Um, There needs to be a solution for both commercial liability uh, insurance and also for health insurance for creators. That is something I've been spending a lot of time thinking about uh, as you know the founder of CloudDesk, and uh, I'm excited to share more about that uh, in the coming months. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think makes a lot of decisions for creators more difficult if they did want to leave a full-time job to go out on their own. A lot of the times when I hear back is, but like all my benefits, you know, those will all go yeah. away. So it, it sucks that there's not a better option out there, but hopefully what you guys are working on will be great. Um, totally. But I think this is, uh, you know, definitely a really important point to bring up about, you know, the legalities of getting into situations as a creator where, again, like someone might get sick from something you promoted and that you can actually, you know, be sued for, lose your house, lose your car, whatever. Um, That's real. And that has happened, you know? So it's, you always want to say, oh, it won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. But you just never know um, what kind of situation is going to arise. So it is always very important to protect yourself however you can. Um, And then again, going along with that, uh, commercial liability insurance, having some option, or even again, as basic as uh, making sure that you are, you know, protected with the type of business you're set up as, as well, you know, like mm-hmm. instead of, uh, you know, being a sole proprietor where someone could possibly sue you for whatever you own, you know, having your business as the one who would be getting sued can actually help protect some of your personal assets too. So that's an important point to bring up about registering your business as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's all about trade-offs. And so, you know, with, if you're registering as a, or incorporating, uh, it creates that separation between the person and the company, which, you know, is great for liability, can be bad for the business in this, you know, case that we just mentioned. Um, about the, the the bad product, but also adds a lot of complexity to things like filing taxes, which you have to do quarterly uh, instead of once a year. And so I guess before just jumping in, it, it is very easy to incorporate. Uh, there are tools like Stripe Atlas that, that make this dead simple. Um, but before doing that, make sure that you understand the implications and you have the right tools in place. Uh, fortunately, you know, unlike, let's say, five years ago, I think there are tools that are coming along now that are specifically geared to help creators with things like taxes. Um, unfortunately, not yet uh, liability or health insurance, but uh, I think that's a huge <laughs> opportunity. 
I agree there. Um, so one last thing kind of as contract, as far as contract terms go, um, I do want to talk about non-payment as well. This is another Mm -hmm. thing that I hear from a lot of creators. Oh my gosh, what happened? This brand didn't pay me. Now I'm emailing them. No one's responding. Am I ever going to get paid? Do I have to take this to court? How does this all work? So what happens if a brand breaches the contract by say, again, not actually giving you your compensation that they agreed to? Yeah. So first and foremost, I'd like to say that if your contract is on Cloud Desk, uh, we back up and guarantee payment uh, upon work completion for every single contract. So if there's ever a case where the brand or client is effectively defaulting on their payment, uh, rest assured that you will get paid. Um, That's something that I think is really important for all creators to have, especially when putting so much work into these partnerships. Now, there are a few different you know, reasons why a, an invoice may not be paid on time. Uh, and there are also, uh, I guess, terms that influencers can include on contracts. And I hope I'm using influencers and creators interchangeably. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> prefer difference. the word creators. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, there are ways that you can protect yourself against late payment, payment or non-payment, uh, and also steps that you can take. And so, I guess we can talk about the sort of like protection layer first. And yeah. so, if you're using uh, contracts outside of Cloud Desk, uh, you can, uh, within the payment terms, uh, include something like an interest rate uh, of you know it has to be nominal, you know one to maybe one point five percent, which is an interest that you can charge per month or per week that payment is late. And so that increases then the consequences uh, for a client who doesn't pay. And those consequences right. increase the longer they, they go without paying you. Now, the I guess that's one of the few things that you can do. Um, the other is getting a portion of payment upfront. And so this can be, you know, you have a contract for $10,000 that's lasting, uh, let's say, over uh, over two months. Really nice contract. Uh, you can say, okay, I want twenty percent of that upfront. Uh, you know, another thirty percent at the end of month one, and then the remaining fifty percent at the end of month two. Yeah, because many agencies and brands also have cash flow challenges, meaning that they're waiting to get paid by their client, or they're wait- waiting to receive the proceeds or the budget for the next quarter or the sale. That's oftentimes something that they'll agree to. Uh, it's also something that we've made super easy to do within Cloud Desk contracts, uh, coincidentally. So I guess outside of those two things, so charging interest for late payments and breaking down payment into multiple increments, you know, that there will still be cases outside of Cloud Desk where a brand is not paying for one reason or the other. So mm-hmm. the, the you know, I think a, a bad assumption to make is, first of all, that they're not going to pay me. You know, if it's been, let's say, uh, two to four weeks and your invoice was sent and it's overdue. Um, before assuming the worst, it's first helpful to, to check, is my contact still there? Are they active? Let's check their LinkedIn. Um, is the company still in business? Uh, which is oftentimes the, the hardest thing to, uh, to be able yeah. to verify and also, and also recoup. Um, but also just to check in with other members of the team. It's, there are so many online tools to be able to find people's emails. Uh, if it's required, look to who your contact reports to or message the accounting team directly 
go up the ladder and escalate things. You may find out that your contact uh, left the company or and just hasn't updated their LinkedIn yet. Um, or there was a, a recent reorg and things fell between the cracks. It may just be that your invoice was buried in someone's inbox and because they've been so overwhelmed yeah. due to you know things even outside of work that you may not necessarily know about um, that it was forgotten about. And so you know, if you've sort of gone through those things, if of course, you know, following up um, and escalating as you follow up is super important. Uh, we, we sort of, we automate that process uh, because we know when invoices are paid, we know when they're due by, uh, so we can make that uh, a lot easier. Um, but then let's say you've, you know, followed up five times, that's, you know, more than enough. It's been, you know, 60 days since the invoice was due. And, you know, right now you're, you're out of options. At this point, you could either do something like turn to a lawyer and say, okay, we need to work on this to send a, a, either a demand to pay or a cease and desist. Now, if your client actually used your content, if that was, you know, you have evidence that it was, you know, boosted or promoted or uh, uh, licensed uh, or, you know, uh, promoted through Spark ads or anything like that, mm -hmm. then they're actually receiving value from that content. And so, you may even be entitled to receiving more payment, especially if that goes outside of the bounds of the contract. Now, the best advice I can give in something that's also in our pipeline is to use a template for something like a cease, cease and desist or a demand to pay. Now, these are oftentimes prepared by lawyers. They oftentimes will require many billable hours of legal time to be able to get prepared. Yeah. Um, but there's a general formula to them. And because we have all of the data from the contract, we see that as something as being sort of the next step um, in, in the evolution of our product for creators. So when non-payment happens, we first of all register the fact that this invoice has gone unpaid. Uh, if there's a breach of contract, creators can notify us. Uh, it's something that right now uh, we're doing some limited testing on in a pilot. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you are looking for a cease and desist and, and really take that next uh, legal action, and I guess the uh, the best expression I've, I've heard is, you know, take a shot across the bow of the client after exhausting all other options, uh, a cease and desist and a demand to pay are the way to go. And uh, we can we can help with the preparation of that. Hopefully no one gets in that situation where they have to take it that far. But unfortunately, I have seen it happen more than a few times <laughs> so it's uh it's it's egregious and i think that you know things to keep in mind about enforceability also and this goes across all contracts is that if you're dealing with a client in your own jurisdiction and so you'll see those terms at the end of a contract and so this is you know someone who is they're based in the us uh, as opposed to being based in a foreign country uh mm -hmm. like any type of judgment that would be ruled in your favor should this ever go to arbitration or be put in front of a judge um, will be much easier to have enforced with a if the client and if the contract is within your jurisdiction. Um, so that's something to be extra mindful of uh, if dealing with international clients, for example, because there are so many steps that will cost thousands and thousands of dollars more and in also a significant amount of time to be able to enforce. Yeah, that's... Uh, I just geek out about this stuff. It's all stuff that it's not exciting for everyone who's listening, but I think it's all stuff that is going to make people's lives much easier having known all of these things, you know, like it's, it's mandatory information that needs to get, you know, into the hands of creators. So I love it. Um, I do want to also kind of end off here on 
negotiation tips. Um, that's mm-hmm. another thing. I, I just see so many creators who are afraid to negotiate. They don't know how to negotiate. Obviously, negotiating, I feel like, is one of those skills where the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more fun mm-hmm. I think it becomes. But yeah. I'm curious, can you give us like your top three negotiation tips for negotiating contracts or rates? Yeah. So, so I think first and foremost, so many creators assume that if I negotiate too regu- rig- uh, rigorously, that the you know brand's just going to pick someone else, and that is like that mindset is toxic. Like your content, yeah. your community, your voice, like they, it's you're worth it, right? And and this shouldn't need to be said, but it does. And so you can push hard on things that are valuable to you if you can do so in a professional manner and you have you know a good reason to do so. So the you know. I think the difference between negotiating effectively and, you know, there's a difference between negotiating effectively and, you know, being difficult to work with. And so when you have, you know, your argument, your counterpoint sort of uh, like zipped up, uh, it makes things as easy as possible for your contact because it's typically not the person who you're working with who's actually approving, you know, whether changes can be made or not. They have to go up the ladder in most cases. Uh, to get to get sign off, and so making their lives as easy as possible, and recognizing that, hey, they're on your side of the table. I mean, they may be, you know, they're going to be negotiating against you, but starting to think of yourself is on the same team as your counterpart. I think just as a mindset change is hugely helpful in negotiation, and will also improve the lines of communication between uh, creators and their clients. Um, in terms of specific advice. Honestly, like I think the single best thing a creator can do that has the potential to literally double the value of each contract is to negotiate content licensing uh, across the board. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, you can rewind again, go through that. <laughs> um, there are also you know, lots of tips. I know, Kristen, uh, across uh, your platform and uh, within Clapdesk, again, we right. try to make that as easy as possible. Uh, number two would be exclusivity. I think this is something that uh, I'm now very happy is at the forefront of people's minds exclusivity is an opportunity cost for you uh sometimes it can be snuck in there and in very different forms but also an opportunity to like you don't need to say no to this but you should think of a rate that you have for each month of exclusivity and that rate should be higher uh you know with the more inbound interest you have from brands within that category um because you know the longer you can't work without those other brands uh, the more money you're potentially and revenue you're potentially missing out on. Number three is tough. Number three is hard. Um, you know, I think that I would I would sort of group in like syndication with licensing. By the way, so I think uh, this is a you know a point on uh, tip number one. But if your Instagram reel is being syndicated across TikTok, or usually it's vice versa like that Mm -hmm. that's licensing content for another platform that's another deliverable i mean it may be much easier to create but you can price uh you know really uh really similarly to how you'd price for an independent deliverable so tip number three i would say is you know it's the small things that can add up to a big difference over time and so i'm just going to say two things real quick uh they can be either three and four uh, and it could go either way, but the first is to uh, to understand and have explicitly mentioned whether tax is included in your overall rate or whether that is separate, um, depending on you know what state or country you live in. Um, at least in Canada, sales taxes in Ontario are as high as thirteen percent. 
And so you can negotiate a rate, have that locked in. And then if the tax is on top of that, uh, that's another 13%. That would otherwise be cutting into your revenue because at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay those taxes to the government. Um, the second thing is expenses. And so if you need to uh, purchase a product or uh, rent equipment or a space for a shoot, stipulate and make sure this is stipulated in the contract, whether or not those expenses are included. And really, if they are included, then you know what is the potential cap on them? Uh, oftentimes, this will be something that is it's standard for you know other vendors who an agency or brand may work with, uh, and you know whether it's a content studio or someone else, it's something that also can help you make better content as a creator if you have a little bit more money to to be able to get that perfect shot in the perfect venue or to rent the equipment that's going to you know increase the production value of your content. Amazing. Yeah, I think those are all really great tips. I would definitely agree with with all of them. And I think for creators to get comfortable with all of that is going to be the difference between, you know, being able to negotiate great contracts and not. Um, so thank you so much for for coming on today and sharing all of this. Again, I think it's something that's very confusing, very People just avoid it because they're afraid of it. So to kind of hit it head on today, I think is going to be very helpful for a lot of creators. So Trevor, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully uh, your community will check out Cloud Desk and make a lot of this stuff much, much easier.